I've had a lot of success. Like I've done pretty well for myself in my life. You know, that comes with some arrogance of like, I know what I'm doing. Like I've done this great thing. Then you're like, wait a second. You know, that is not the way to live. And getting back into the beginner's mindset of like, I don't know anything. I need to learn everything. It's just such a much better place to live from instead of like having to keep up this facade of like, I have all the answers. I've hit, made it. Like, I don't feel like that at all, you know? So that's been a big like discovery for me too. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks. Come from a different cloth. Y'all would get ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo with the rock apart. Now we eating from state to state. We scrape the plate. I put my eggs in the basket. Took a leap of faith. I took a chance. Now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests. Now let's bring that. Success Podcast Top 1% Globally Ranked Show. Thanks to you. You're rocking with your host, Matt Labrie, as we are joined by Ali Webb, founder of Dry Bar, guest shark on Shark Tank, author, speaker, mom, the list goes on. And in this conversation with Ali that revolves around the importance of checking in with ourselves during each season of our life to evaluate what's exciting us, what's lighting us up, what's not exciting us anymore, and what is dimming our light, what's triggering us, what's happening essentially ensuring that we stay connected to self as we evolve, as opposed to thinking we're good, running the same program year over year, as we as humans shift, evolve, grow, learn more, etc. So in this episode, you're going to hear us discuss and you're going to learn from moments in this convo that are, number one, what we can do to ensure that we're not letting the quote-unquote bad in our life mess up the quote-unquote good we have at the same time. It happens. Shit hits the fan while we have other blessings and sometimes we can just focus on the negative. So how do we realize like, hey, we have some good stuff going on no matter what is happening that's quote unquote bad or not what we want. Number two, why we need to listen to our body and the signs it's giving us, some of which we might be blind to or how about this? We might even be fighting through them or fighting them. Number three, the importance of keeping a beginner's mindset, which directly ties into reinvention and recalibrating and staying connected to ourself during those seasons of our lives where we find ourselves growing, changing, shifting, evolving. Number four, how to not project our conditioning, our beliefs, what we believe to be quote unquote right onto other people and just let them live as we accept them for who they are and so much more in this episode. Now, here's the kicker. You don't need to be here today. Let's be real. You could be doing anything, listening to another podcast, watching Netflix, doom scrolling social, but you are here. You are listening to this podcast. So there is a reason for that. You might really, really need something in this episode that Ali shares. You might really need to ask yourself one of the questions that I have asked Ali. Whatever it is, we need to embrace that and embrace the truth that you could be of value to someone else simply, honestly, someone near or dear to you. Simply by sharing this episode, screenshot it and share it on your IG story. Screenshot it and share it on Twitter or X or whatever it's called these days. Send the link to your group chat. Be of value to those you love by passing it on. And now without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Ali Webb. Ali, what's up? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. You ready to dive in? I am. Cool. Are I'm you gonna... in California? No, I'm born and raised in Queens. I'm in Queens right now, New York. I was born in New York too. Awesome. Which uh, part? Well, Long Island, like Nassau County. Very familiar. 
I am not because I, sorry, I'm, I asked you if you were in California because I, there's so many fucking mosquitoes in California and I'm sitting outside and I'm lighting incense to like citronella incense because it's so bad. So anyways, but yeah, I, um, I was like a baby when I, I was born there and then I, we moved when I was young, but I lived in New York city all of my twenties, but that's all. What's your favorite pizza spot in New York city? I feel like if I tell you, you're going to really judge me. Is it a 99 cents pizza spot? No, I don't. I don't. I'm not well versed enough in this space, but I will tell you when I lived in New York, I loved Two Boots. I don't think it oh, exists anymore. No, it does. It does. I was just there, I don't know, a couple of weeks like ago. Pepper crust. Oh, it is? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Every time I recently, I've tried to find one and I feel like I've had a harder time, but it's like the peppery crust, so good. It's very good. It's very good. There's actually one in Park Slope, uh, right by my girlfriend's house. So I go there rather often. <laughs> I love two boots. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. I'm going to re-ask you a question that I already asked you. By the way, I okay. roll like I'm already recording. I keep this super lax, like just very conversational. I'm going to ask you, how are you again? Because for numerous reasons, we just gave each other quick responses. I'm curious, like, how are you really? <laughs> How am I really? Well, I am a mixed bag, I would say. I have some really, really hard shit happening in my life right now. Mm. And I have some really amazing stuff happening. So yeah, it's a big mix right now. There's a mix of like some really fun, exciting things that I'm really looking forward to. And then there's some really hard shit that's really hard to navigate through. So that's how I'm really doing. Yeah. I'm curious to learn how you essentially navigate the hardship, right? Like how do you not let the stuff that feels like it's weighing you down impact the great stuff that you have in your life? Very good question. You know, I think this has been, I would say really the last few years, but in certainly the last few months for me have been an enormous growth and really like, you know, sinking my teeth into areas of myself really that I was kind of avoiding and doing a lot of like work on myself. And, you know, I feel like that's such a like doing work on myself. It's like everyone's always saying that, but I am working with several people, coaches, therapists. I feel like I have read so many books in the last few months about, you know, childhood trauma, really like learning how to love yourself. And, and, and all these things seem really like kind of abstract and things that like we just say, but like, you know, learning how to like reprogram my brain, you know, writing, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with Byron Katie and like the whole, you know, model of like, you know, telling the storytelling we do and just a lot of like deep dive of all that stuff. I actually was, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Amen. Yeah, from the Amen Clinic. Yeah, I'm very familiar. Yeah. So I discovered his stuff years ago and I really wanted to go get like a brain scan and I never did it. It was really expensive and whatever. And, and I just never did it. And uh, he reached out to me to, to like come in and be on his podcast to promote my new book, The Messy Truth, which, you know, as you know. And um, so, of course, I jumped at the opportunity and I literally just had that done yesterday. So I, I was on his podcast and we were like, he was like dissecting my brain and telling me, you know, I had a brain scan. I went through the, all the cognitive testing and all of that stuff. And it was very fascinating. But it, it's really interesting, by the way, he said, I had a stunningly beautiful brain, which is like literally the best compliment I think I've ever gotten (laughs) for him to be like, shit is fucked up in there, lady, you know, but it was really interesting. And there are areas, it's funny, there's like an area in my brain that's like extremely overactive that he's like, Mm. we got to calm that down. Like you're a very like quick thinker, like quick, 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 like go, 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 which is so my personality. But you know, it's, it's just really interesting as you start to discover, at least for me anyways, as I've started to discover more and more about myself and self-awareness, you know, it's like, it's so easy to coast along without being aware of like what's really going on for you and what you're avoiding. And there's a lot of stuff I've been avoiding. And so 
Okay, let's unpack this. I mean, firstly, I'm very curious if I'm not going to violate any hip compliance by asking you about your brain scan. I know one of the keys to making sure you have a beautiful brain is not drinking. Do you not drink? Yeah, that's a, I know that's a big thing that he talks about. Like that's like super destructive. So yeah, I don't I don't drink because well, I never really liked drinking. And I have like a weird I'd really like to understand what this is about. I forgot to ask him, but I'm gonna ask him when I have drank in the past, I get a really weird like pain behind my ears, like almost like mm. a sharp shooting pain that is really uncomfortable. And so for years, like in my 20s, I was like trying to figure out is it vodka? Is it wine? Like what mm. what's in it, you know, and ultimately, I, I'm sure I have an, some sort of allergy to some sort of alcohol. And I never figured out what it is. But it is like talk about like self awareness and being discerning. I'm like, why am I going to keep drinking? And I obviously that my body rejects this, you know, right. but and then, you know, in my book, I talk about my son who's 18 and went through rehab and my ex husband is an alcoholic, you know, I mean, I'm just really surrounded by addicts and you have been really exposed to that and I just have always I've just had a really like negative view on drinking and more of like the addiction to drinking that really turned me off personally to drinking I can drink fine like I can drink a couple when I was drinking more or drinking I would have like half a glass of wine when most people would have had too by then, you know, they just never really enjoyed it. I also don't like being like out of control and it makes me sleepy. And at my age, I feel so shitty the next day that I'm like, this just not, it has been years since I've drank and I just, yeah, I don't, I have no desire for it. Yeah. And yeah. And now there's so much, you know, it's like, it's quite literally poison, you know, and I know that's not a popular thing to say, but like it is, I know why people do it. I get, yeah, I just, well, I mean, that's a perfect segue. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. I mean, that's a perfect segue, right? I mean, people do it to an extent, obviously for the social aspect of it, but maybe on a subconscious level, like to avoid, which is one of the things you mentioned, like you said that there's areas of your life that you were avoiding, like doing the deep dive into. I'm curious to learn if you don't mind sharing, why were you avoiding that? Were you scared to see what was on the other side? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we we avoid things that we don't want to know about ourselves. And, you know, I think we do it in relationships. I think we do it in business. And you know, I mean, even in like the dry bar era, you know, I talk about this a bit in the book of like how I was like, I didn't really realize this. Although when it was brought to me, I was like, oh, I, I can see that, you know, it's like my brother would tell me my brother's my business partner in dry bar. He would tell me people are really scared of you. And I was like, why do you mean people are scared of me? He's like, you know, what I took for like, you know, passion and like really caring about this thing and making sure it was perfect and whatever you know, really like scared people and freak people out because of my delivery on how I would walk into stores and get really obviously upset at what I was seeing if, you know, cause for me it was like, I could walk into a dry bar and you know, if you walked in you'd be like, this place is fucking awesome and it's hopping and it's loud and it's busy and whatever. And I would see all the things that were wrong. Mm. And what I learned over time was like how to like channel the information to the right person versus like throwing a fit, which is what I did early on. And that was like, you know, one of the things that my, you know, my brother brought to my attention. And so, and in that vein, you know, it was like, I would go to my brother a lot and maybe it was like a safety because he was my family and I would plain and I would say this and that, but I wouldn't bring it. I wouldn't always bring it to the person I should have brought it to, to have like the real conversation because I didn't want it. It was scary and I didn't want the conflict. And I just, you know, I took like kind of the cowardly way out and just like bitched about it to my brother, you know? And I think that's one of those things. It's like avoiding hard conversations. And I think I've done that in relationships too, where it's like, you just, there's this thing and you don't want to talk about it because you're afraid if you talk about it, it's going to like blow everything up. And that's a risk. 
you know, that you take. If you talk about what's really going on for you, the alternative is you just avoid it and you just don't talk about it and kind of hope it goes away or hope things change naturally, which they don't, Mm -hmm. you know, but when you're in it and you're like, it would be harder to have this conversation than, you know, because the outcome of what might happen if I say this thing, I don't want that outcome. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep moving, you know? And so I think that's what happens is we get stuck in this, like, it's good enough. I'm going to just keep chugging along and then it all blows up. What came over you, or maybe it was a life experience, maybe it was a person that instilled the courage in you to stop avoiding and to start facing? Well, you know, I think when rug kind of gets pulled out from under you and Mm. you, you know, you're kind of forced to deal with some things, you know, like in my case, when my son, who's now 18, who's doing incredibly well, by the way, he's playing football at Denison University in Ohio. Like I just took him to college a few months ago. But you know, when that all exploded, and he we realized like he had a problem and he was drinking and he was cutting and he was doing all sorts of stuff. It was like, Oh, my God. And of course, the first thing I thought was like, I'm a terrible mother and this and I'm embarrassed and all of that and felt really a lot of shame, you know, and once I got over that, I wasn't you learn very quickly, like something isn't working, right? Mm -hmm. And I realized through like some coaching and help from like trusted people around me, you know, I wasn't really curious what was going on with my son. I was more like as I don't know if you have kids. I don't think you do. You had a girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a normal I mean, I think all parents fuck up their kids in some way. And, you know, I think we're, we get better and better. But, you know, I wasn't really curious about what was going on with my son versus, I mean, I was probably to some degree, but I was more like, you shouldn't do this. This is bad and wrong. And why are you fucking up your life? And why are you not listening to your mother who's like so much smarter and wiser than you? And that doesn't work, you know? And I learned that the hard way. It's like that, you know, repels them even more, you know? And, and so I realized like I had to figure out a different way to approach this situation because it was not working what I was doing. Doing. And, you know, instead of, you know, telling him and all the things he was doing wrong, in my opinion, I had to hear why he was where he was in a very non judgmental way. You know, and when you're faced with that kind of like situation, you like, you kind of, sober up very quickly and you're like, I got to make some major changes, you know? And then that has a ripple effect on the rest of your life because you're like, oh, what else am I not being curious about? And what else am I, you know, not not being open to? And one of the things I've kind of learned in my recent journey is like the beginner mindset, Mm -hmm. you know, which, you know, I don't know how to say this and not come out wrong, but it's like, you know, I've had a lot of success. Like I've done pretty well for myself in my life. You know, that comes with some arrogance of like, I know what I'm doing. Like I've done it. I've done this great thing. Then you're like, wait a second, you know, that is not the way to live. And, And getting back into the beginner's mindset of like, I don't know anything. I need to learn everything. It's just such a much better place to live from instead of like having to keep up this facade of like, I have all the answers. I've made it. Like, I don't feel like that at all, mm. you know? So that's been a big like discovery for me too. Before I ask you this next question, can we just go back and redo that take? Like own the success that you have. You're humble as it is. Just like come out and be like, I made a lot of fucking money. Well, you know, I mean, it's really not. It's so interesting. Yes, I have made a lot of money. And yes, I have had a lot of success. And I am very proud of that. And I I've worked really hard for it. But it also success is such a weird thing. You know, it's like, I'm also at like a really tough point in my life, which again, I know it's like, you know, cry me a river. Like, you know, I, it's such again, I, I'm careful with the way I talk about this. Because, you know, you some people will look at like someone like me and be like, she has this massive business and she sold it for all this money. And which by the way, if you ever to, you know, if you look at we sold dry bar for 255 million, like I didn't get that money. Like I have very, very small percentage of that just for the record. I think people don't often understand that that's how that works. And and if you Google me, it, what it says my net worth is, is not correct. You know, so <laughs> just for the, for the fucking record, I wish it was right. But you know, 
so I think that, you know, you end up in this place where you're like, okay, I've done this thing and I have a lot of like space and time and resources and money to do kind of whatever I want, but what do I want mm-hmm. now? It's it's kind of like the analogy, I feel like, you know, of like rich kids, you know, kids who are born into like a really wealthy family and don't have to do anything really because they know they have so, all this money. And so you lose purpose because you don't have, feel like you have to work for money. You know, my kids don't have that. You know, my kids are like, they very much know that like what I I've made and what I've done is is mine. <laughs> and of course I take care of my kids, but like they're not like trust fund babies. And you know, I don't want them to have to think they have that fallback because I think it'll take away their purpose and, and I think and, and their drive and ambition. And I think that like when you get to like first of all, you're just changing so much when you get to like midlife like I am 48 years old and, and I'm like, what do I want to, I feel like I'm 20 in a lot of ways. Like I'm like at the beginning again, like, what do I want to do? What excites me? What lights me up in this, you know, phase of my life? Because I'm not, you know, I don't want to like be on vacation all the time. Like mm-hmm. I want to do something and, and I have started to, to really try to dig in and figure out what that is. It's just a weird life place to be, you know? And again, I'm so probably choppy with how I'm explaining this because I, I'm really sensitive to how it, this gets interpreted to people who are like rolling their eyes, like, oh yeah, you have it so hard, you know? But I know that I don't, and I'm very grateful for all that I have, but I, everybody has their set of problems no matter where you are in life, yeah. you know? I'm curious if you feel this way because you believe at, I believe you said you're 48, if you believe that at 48, you should be somewhere else. I don't know where I should be, you know? Mm. I think that's the conundrum I'm in. It's like, I don't, I'm at, you know, a really big inflection point in my life of where I want to be emotionally, where I want to be like professionally, where I want to be living, like what I want to be doing with my time. Yeah. So it's a big question mark for me right now. And I'm exploring a lot of different things to try to figure that out, which is why I said, I feel like I'm 20 because, you know, in your 20s, that's you're meant to do, right? Is like, I did that. I, you know, tried a million different jobs. I moved to New York and I did all these things to try to figure out what I love, you know? And, and I didn't really land on it until I was like 30-ish when we, when maybe, I think I was maybe 35 when we started Drive Bar, which was really my ultimate, obviously my biggest success and my my real calling and the thing that I fell in love with and it was great for me, you know? And now 13 years later, I'm kind of like, what am I doing now, mm. you know? So, and, and for me, the, for the most part, I feel really passionately about giving back and being of service in lots of different ways. And like, I do a lot of mentoring to entrepreneurs. I speak at a lot of things and I really get a lot of joy out of that. And, you know, so I'm, I'm figuring out different ways to kind of harness that and, you know, just trying lots of different things. Yeah. You posted something on Instagram recently, it's something that I talk about rather often on the show. In fact, I think I had my mind blown by the episode that we just released last week. A gentleman named Erwin McManus. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Erwin. Oh, yeah. No, Irwin, yes. yeah. I go to Mosaic. Oh, you do? Okay, dope. Yeah. We, yeah, we had a really good, we had a good convo. He's amazing. Yeah. You posted something about God's plan. Like it was an illustration on your Instagram, right? It was a graphic. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, like in conjunction with what we're talking about here, do you feel like God's plan, this is where I had my mind blown, like Erwin elaborated because I'm born Roman Catholic. I went to Catholic school my whole life up until college. And I was pretty much under the impression that God's plan is like laid out for us, right? Like you're going to be doing this at this point, this at this point. Like that's the way I always viewed it. Erwin, on the other hand, came in and he was like, Matt, like not for nothing. Like, let's keep it real. Going all the way back to Adam and Eve, there was only one thing that they weren't allowed to do in the garden. Everything else they were allowed to do. Like God's plan is abundant, but there's one thing you shouldn't do, which is, you know, hurt others, hurt yourself or diminish God's like value or power, etc. What do you think about that? What do you mean specifically? Like, yeah, like I'm just like re- referencing this to what you're sharing here. Like, do you feel like oh, God's plan? Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's all laid out. Okay. And also, I'm in an interesting place with religion because I'm Jewish, and you know, recently discovered you know Mosaic and started going to Mosaic, and you know what I love about Irwin, and I've you know listened to many many of his talks in person, and have had the good fortune of you know getting to know him a little, and I feel like. You know, I was never super religious as a kid and I didn't get bar mitzvah and I just, and then my ex-husband was Mormon. And so that was a weird, that, that was, I shouldn't say weird. That was an interesting religion. And so I just, you know, never really thought much about it until I discovered Mosaic and listened to the way Irwin speaks and like mm-hmm. how he so beautifully connects real life stuff to the Bible and like religion. And it's just so masterful how he does that. And I was just so inspired by it, you know, and, I, and more to your question. I mean, my son, Grant, who's 18, who's the one in college. You know, he's really gotten into, he's studying, he's studying theology in school. Mm. Like he's very into the study of God and religion. And so we're talking about that stuff all the time now. And it's fascinating. And he's kind of like, always coming back to me with like something new and a new, you know, there's just so much to learn and there's so many different schools of thought on this. And like, I've always felt like, you know, again, pretty ignorant to a lot of the stuff. So don't keep that in mind. Like, you know, the people who wrote the Bible and how many different times it's been interpreted and what the interpretations mean and all of that is really like hard to like digest, I think. But I think that there's, I heard someone say, I don't know if it was Erwin one time in, in some talk I was listening to that, you know, God is a gentleman. And if you call him in and ask for something or ask, you know, whatever, that God will be there for you. It was kind of paraphrasing. And I think that like we, you know, I believe that like God lives inside us. And I believe that like we make decisions and which ultimately start to determine which way things go. But if we made another decision, things would go a different way. I don't think that there's like a premeditated, this is what's going to happen in your life, no matter what you do. But I do think that there are, I believe that there's, I mean, to me, it's a little bit like God and the universe and a higher power kind of all mixed into one where I believe that like things that like, for example, don't work out the way you wanted them to, or you thought that they should have is a little bit of divine intervention of like, I know you really wanted this thing to be and it's not going to be and you feel like it's like the worst thing ever. And then eventually you come around to see that like, what a fucking blessing that was, you know, and even like with my son having gone through what he did, which was literally hell. I mean, one day you'll have children, you'll understand that, you know, the depth of love that you have for your kids is just, you know, incomparable to anything else in the world. And right. my son was going through this and I didn't know what was going to happen to him. I didn't know if he was going to like live. Like it was really, really rough and it was hell. Like it was awful. And at the time that was happening, I felt like this is so unfair. Like what did I do to deserve this? Like very victim-y, you know? And it was hard to get through it and we did and it took about two and a half years. So it was a really rough two and a half years. But you know, where my son is on the other side and all the things that he went through and all the, the, the treatment centers that he was in were so incredible incredibly like impactful to his life. One of one of the places he went was this place called Evoke, which is like these kids live off the land in Utah unset amount of time. My son was there for maybe three or four months. And like we went to visit him once there. Like he could make fire out of like nothing. He was whittling woods like spoon, like it was, it was insane how much he had grown in that period of time. And, and the growth that he, you know, that he gained in that period was just on mind blowing. And I walked away from that experience, just having been there for him with just for just 24 hours. And then how he was so how much he changed from all of those experiences thinking like, I think this is like every human should have to go through. I mean, it's far better than like our traditional fucking school system. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like what my son learned in this having to be on his own having to like fend for himself to a certain degree having, you know, people to talk to like therapy and people to like kids who are going through. I mean, it was just, you know, and so, and as a result too, is that, you know, right after my divorce, 
with my first husband and we were, you know, not really speaking. And then we had to come together for grant because we had to do therapy together and all that stuff. And so like then that all like our family unit got much stronger. It was like so much good came out of that time as hard as it was. And I, I would not change it. Like if you asked me if you could do it over where Grant didn't have to go to rehab and Grant didn't have to go through what he did, went through, I would say no, I would keep it how it is. Yeah. But I wouldn't have said that in the moment, you know? So, so I think that there's things that like happen and God is there like guiding, you know, not planning. Absolutely. Maybe. Yeah. 100%. I'm curious. I mean, you obviously have the experience to answer this from motherhood, from being a partner, from even being in business, being a friend. I'm curious what your opinion is in regards to us not projecting our conditioning onto others. So whether, you know, that be in a relationship or in parenting, like how do we not take our constructs and place them onto other people? Yeah, another good question. I mean, you know, I think it's all part of like the learning that we do about ourselves and like, you know, letting go of control of what you want somebody to be or getting into a relationship with the potential of somebody, you know, I think that a lot of it comes down to, you know, control. Like for me, I I have a lot of control issues, you know, I want things to be the way that I want them to be. And, you know, and so I, I do think I put that construct on like, oh, you should be doing it this way, or you should do it this way, which does not work, Mm -hmm. you know, and versus the acceptance of this is how you are. And, you know, my, my best friend and I talk about that a lot when we're in a situation with someone that we're struggling with and they're just not going to change. Like they are who they are. And it's kind of like, oh, there's, you know, Matt being Matt, you know, I don't like it, but it's not mine to change or control. So, you know, and I, and I think that's more of the philosophy that I've tried to adopt anyways. I'm certainly not, I don't always do it, but you know, just like acceptance of people being acceptance, acceptance of people and where they are versus trying to impose your idea of what they should be on them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, not easy at all. I mean, it's just because, you know, you're like, it's our ego, I think, of being like, oh, but if you did this, Matt, it would, this would be so much better, mm. you know, but it's like, it's not, it's not mine. It's yours to figure out, you know, and, and it's just, which, which I think is largely a thing about parenthood when you're, I used to say that to my kids and like, I do, I can't even believe I'm going to say this. Like I cringe at like saying it, but I used to say to my kids, like, I've been through so much more life than you. Like I know so much more than you because of what I've been through and blah, blah, blah. You know, and my kids would always kind of like roll their eyes at that. And I was like, why do they do that? Like, I am smarter than them. I do know more than them. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I've been through more life. Like just objectively, I've been through more. So I know more, but it's not, it's not that black and white, you know? And, and again, it goes back to like what I'm trying to adopt, which is this learner, this beginner's mindset of like, there's just always more to learn and you can learn a lot from your kids and still guide them, but allow them to be who they actually are. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you put forth that beginner's mindset? Like, what are you doing? Like daily? What does that look like? It's like a constant reminder. And I think it goes back to like the self-awareness piece of being like catching yourself and actively thinking about it, you know, because I think it's so easy for us to go on autopilot and just like, again, like I mentioned before, it's like we're cruising along, we're doing our thing and we're not like thinking about anything else than what's like right in front of us and like what we're doing or what we're focusing on. And then... I do think that part of like meditation and like, you know, enriching yourself, it's like, you've heard people say this, I'm sure like, you know, what we ingest, whether like what we're watching, what we're listening to, who we're talking to, who we're surrounding ourselves with is is ultimately like all of that stuff like penetrates, you know? So for me, like surrounding myself with like-minded people who have that, like, you know, let's keep learning and growing versus like the know-it-all and you know the difference, right? You can, you can spot it pretty quickly in people and I prefer and surround myself with that 
more. And I think that's a big way, you know, having those people in your life that remind you of that. And like my son is very much like that. You know, he's so, I mean, he's 18, but he's so, he's very into Jesus right now and learning a lot about Jesus, which is pretty fascinating stuff. And I love learning through him. And, you know, I said he was, he was reposting some stuff from his high school football team about the, like highlighting these kids from that he knew from his football team. And it was really sweet and kind of him to do it. And I told him that I loved that he was doing that. I was really proud of him. And he's like, I'm just trying to be like Jesus, mom, mm-hmm. you know? And it was this like, again, like this, like, I'm just trying to be a really good person. And I think when you're trying to be a good person, you're trying to do the right thing. You know, I also just saw this thing that Oprah was on podcast that you can do hard things with, um, what's her name? Oh my God, I'm blanking. Oh, is that um, Glennon Doyle or Brene Brown? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and he was like saying, and if, and I'm a huge Oprah fan and I listen to all her books and I've, you know, I mean, who isn't an Oprah fan, but you know, I mean, so much of what she talks about is this, like, just be good, like be good <laughs> to people. And a lot of like the being good is not being a know-it-all and not being like thinking you're always right. And you have all the answers. It's like being able to st- take a step back and be like, and granted, I am not historically very good at this, but I'm trying to be where it's like, you don't, someone challenges you, you don't like something someone says, like, instead of getting pissed off and defensive, which is like been my MO most of my life is like, tell me more. I want to understand mm. what you mean, you know, versus the like, you know, get defensive because I think you can feel defensive. And like, for me, I can feel very fiery when something like that happens, but then like, let me get curious about it. And I think that's something that you have to like teach yourself how to like stop and be like, wait, 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 I don't want to be an asshole right now. I want to hear what they're trying to say and try to learn something, you know, and you, you know, of course you don't always agree, but so I think it's just, I think it's the conditioning that we do to ourselves. And again, like what we surround ourselves with, like, who are we listening to? I mean, on Instagram, what books are we listening listening to what friends, you know, my very best friend in the world, her name is Paige. And she's been on this like spiritual journey for a long time. And I, I jokingly always say that I've like been writing her spiritual coattails because I kind of like do what she does because it's, she's changed so much. We've been friends for 18 years since our boys were babies. And I've watched her evolve into this like softer, just amazing, you know, and it's like, it's just because she's doing the work on herself and she's, mm-hmm. you know, reading the, the books that help us. And so I think it's so largely of how and who we surround ourselves with. I love that. I just want to let you know I'm a very emotional guy and you almost made me cry so I'm glad you continued to talk when you shared that your son said that he's just trying to be like Jesus I'm getting teary-eyed right now like that almost made me cry that is powerful it is right. You know, and it's like, you know, as somebody who, you know, my parents were not religious. My mom didn't really believe in God. My mom died like seven years ago, but I, you know, and she, I mean, I would love for her to see all that's happened now. It's so crazy. But, you know, I think I had this like weird feeling about like God, religion and Jesus and, uh, you know, and for Grant's perspective on it is like, he was just a really cool guy and didn't judge anybody and would hang out with prostitutes and like the people that everybody else shunned and like just so good. And you're, like fuck yeah what yeah I mean isn't that like the goal like to not be judgmental of people and to love everybody and you know and and I struggle with that you know I'm very judgmental my default is judgmental like I'm very judgmental of myself very judgmental of others and I have to like really remind myself to not be that way and it's I think it's like a real discipline you know and and I think that's something that I'm also learning at this later stage of my life is like self-mastery you know I'm, I'm an incredibly reactive person which I think is 
actually served me somewhat well in business, but like it doesn't in personal relationships to be like, just pop off so easily versus like, let me breath before I respond, before I say something I'm going to regret, you know, and, and having that mentality of like, I'm just trying to be like, Jesus is pretty amazing. It is. Absolutely. I just want to pause and say thank you for your vulnerability throughout this. I know that we still have you here for, you know, 20 minutes or so, but you've been super vulnerable throughout this entire interview. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. And I know you're vulnerable in the book and whatnot. And I'll use that as the segue to start talking about it, specifically the subtitle, because the subtitle, I wrote it down, how I sold my business for millions, but almost lost myself. And the part of the subtitle that I want to talk about is the losing yourself, because my opinion of losing ourselves, like we have to know who we are. So when you put that in your subtitle, what does that mean exactly? And I'm going to give you an example, right? Like when we're born, we don't know who we are. We have our parents, society, friends. I mean, I grew up, I went to Catholic school my whole life, but I wanted to be in a gang so bad. Like, like that wasn't who I was, but that was what was around me. You know, you know, like all of those things, we have all of these constructs. So like when you say lose yourself, are you referring to losing who you were at your core or were you referring to losing yourself? Like who you thought Ali was? I have not been asked this question. The way I think about it at first blush is like, I just got very lost as a human when I was in, on this like rocket ship of this building and growing this business that was really intoxicating and exciting and alluring. But I I lost like track of myself. Like I, I, re- I realized, and part of this was like the demise of my marriage and my son and all the things that were happening that I was very like disconnected from myself. And I was living this life that wasn't totally, I don't know, like spiritually connected, I guess, to myself. I, I don't know how to put it. Like I was like out here and not in here. You know, mm-hmm. I was not, I didn't know what I, I didn't know who I was. Like I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know what I didn't like. I was just on like autopilot doing what I think I thought I should do with my life. You know, it was like, I got married, I had kids, I started this business, business got really successful. So I, you know, rode that, you know, and it was like, it was really intoxicating. And it was like, you know, it's interesting when you're put into a position of like, you know, a lot of people praising you and I got so much outside validation that was very, it was like a drug, I think is the best way to put it. You know, it's like when people are constantly telling you how great you are and, you know, and we did, it was so fascinating, right? Like we changed an industry. Like we like came in guns blazing and disrupted a billion dollar industry. It was like, I didn't mean to do that, by the way, it just kind of happened. And and then it was like, you know, I had never felt that kind of attention. I'd never felt that kind of like adoration and you know, the privileged things that I was able to do and places I was able to go and the free shit people were sending me. And it was just like, all of it was so like, wow, like I'm a big deal, you know? And then I was like, what? Like, no, you know? And it was like, this is all like fluff and smoke and mirrors. It was like nice and it felt good, but it was like, who am I like really inside? And I really didn't know. And so I felt very lost. I was like feeding off of this thing that I was in. And I mean, I, and I loved it and it wasn't like all bad. It was just, you know, what that does for you emotionally is like, it makes you feel like, or at least what it did for me was make me feel like that is my worth. Being the founder of Drybar is my worth. And that's why people love me. And that's why people want to do things for me and want to blah, 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 all that stuff. And then it was like, 
what about like who I am underneath all of that? And I didn't really realize any of this until we sold the business and it was like COVID. And then it was like, I, I stopped being that person, the founder of Drybar. And it was like, I think I lost myself. Part of it was I was looking around going, who am I? Like feeling like if I wasn't introduced at an event or a party as the founder of Drybar, I was like, unimportant, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want to be unimportant. I I would be annoyed if my friends didn't introduce me as the founder of Drybar because then people wouldn't like know all the great shit I did, you know? And then I was like, no, I don't want that anymore, you know? And I came around to feeling like I want to be like more humble and in the back and not need that attention the way I once did. And it's been like a, I mean, there's there's a lot of truth. Not that I've ever had to withdraw from an actual drug, but I can see how that feels like that of like withdrawing yourself from that level of attention. And it's not like I'm Kim Kardashian and like I couldn't walk down the street, but (laughs) my own little bubble of it that I was experiencing on a very small scale that I was like, I just kind of lost myself in this like, who am I really without that attachment of dry bar as my identity? And that's where I'm, I think it also maybe has to do with age. And now I'm like, I just don't really, I'm like, I prefer you don't introduce me as the founder of Mm -hmm. dry bar. Like I don't want that over me. And don't get me wrong. Like I, it, it opens up a lot of doors and a lot of opportunities. And I will always like cherish that. And that is like a huge part of my identity on some level, but I prefer to just be me. And if you like me for me, that's more important versus the like, I want you to like, I know you're going to like be excited if you find out that I'm at the founder of dry bar, but are you going to actually want to talk to me just for me? And like, when you hear me, you know, and LA is a tough city for that, you know? Sure. So I'm learning to give that up of like, I don't really care if you don't know that about me now, you know? Yeah. So that leads me to ask you, like, how did you shift your identity from the achievements to like who you are at your core? Like, what did that shift look like? What would you give advice to someone that might be, you know, experiencing the same thing? Well, I think it's like you have to let it go. The need or the desire to be like, make sure you're like you're doing it for the right reasons versus the like, I want to feel important. I Mm -hmm. want to feel like, you know, I guess it's a balance, right? Because you're building a business and you're being, especially if you're like a founder who's out front and, you know, doing all these things, it's like, enjoy it and do it. But like, you know, trying to not let it become who you are which I, I didn't do that. You know, I let it become, I like wrote it all the way home. You know, I was like, I'm going to like, this is the, I'm, I love this identity. I love, I love all the attention that comes with it. I love it all, you know, and, and sure. Like, I think that's part of it, but then also like being able to take a step back and be like, that's like another side of me. And I want to be like the softer side. And, and I think what happens too, is it translates into your, your personal relationships, because I think I did have this, like, you know, the world kind of revolves around me mentality with my family that is not good, you know, and I don't, I don't want to be that person anymore. So I think, again, it comes back to awareness, like being aware that you're doing that so you can stop doing it, you know? And I think that requires a lot of self-reflection and a lot of like paying attention and to what people are saying and having people around you. And like, like I said, like for me, it's like my best friend and my, you know, people closest to me in my life are the one who will be like, call me out on shit and be like, you know, when you said this, like it really like offended me. And I was like, oh shit, why did I say that? You Mm -hmm. know? And, and it's a learning. And I'm like, I got it. I'm sorry, you know, and thank you for telling me, you know, so I think the more people we have in our lives that will like tell us and not feel afraid to offend us, which also back to the business side of things. Like for me, I think there was a time when I was surrounded by a lot of yes people who like wanted to protect me from bad things that were happening in the business. When I was like, I don't, I don't want to be protected. You know, I knew that on a business level, but I think the same thing happens when you have friends who don't really tell you like what people are really thinking about you and what you're saying, how is it impacting people and like, shit, I want to know so I can be better, you know? Yeah. Would you have looking back at Ali of 
that time to now, would you have like, would you say you found yourself? I'd say I'm still finding myself. Finding, okay. You know, I, I'm, I think I'm still, I don't know that it's an, I don't think there's a, there's a finish line, you know, I think yeah. it's an ever evolving. Cause you know, it's like, it's like, it, it depends on the day, you know, it's like our lives are constantly moving and shifting. And, you know, there's days that I just feel like, you know, it's like everything's hard <laughs> and I'm like on the floor. And then there's days where I feel great, you know, and I, I don't think that there's ever a like, oh, I have found myself. I think I have moments of feeling like, oh, I feel good where I'm at. Just stuff just shifts so much, you know, and so many things are constantly moving in our lives that that work and then don't work. So I think it's like it's like a it's a job you're never done with. Work in progress. Yeah, I get that. If someone listening to this picks up the book today, they read it front to back, but they could only walk away with one thing from it. What would you want that one thing to be? I think to like take a chance. Mm. Take a, you know, take the chance, take a risk. Life is short. Like you, I think a lot of people get let. Like one of the things I, I love to say, and I think it was my brother who first said it. I'm sure you've heard it now. It's like don't let perfect get in the way of progress. And mm-hmm. you know, I think that we have a mentality, which is really understandable. That like oh, I just don't have this, and this isn't right, and I can't do this because of this, you know. And it's like sometimes you have to just go for it, you know, and and it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be like, okay, everything is lined out and we are ready to go. Like always, something's always going to like not work out. Something always is going to, you know, and I, and I think whether you're an entrepreneur or you're just at a job where you want, you really want another position in that company and you've been afraid to ask for it and like, go ask for it. You know, I think I, I want people to walk away from the book feeling like inspired to go do that thing that they've been scared to do. I mean, maybe, maybe that's like, leaving a relationship, getting a divorce. Like maybe it's, you know, quitting their job and starting a business. Maybe it's like, you know, changing the way that they parent their kid. You know, who knows? Like, I think that there's so many of my personal and and professional lessons in this book. And I I think the overarching theme thing, you know, is that, you know, it's just kind of like putting it all out there and, you know, taking the hard step. And like, I so strongly believe this to my core that you have to like make hard decisions and try things that you might potentially fail at, but like, you'll never... I feel like such a walking cliche, but like, you'll never know if you don't try, like you never get the thing if you don't even try for the thing, you know? So go try the thing, you know? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to make sure that the link to the book as well as socials, websites, all of that good stuff is in the show notes of this episode. A couple more questions for you. One thing that we've been doing on the show, I've been doing this for five years. Uh, We're about to hit 300 episodes and we just started asking a past guest to ask a future guest a question without knowing who is who. So the question for you, I'm going to reveal who it is because I think you know this gentleman. He had asked, what is the single greatest unlock of human potential that is entirely within someone's control? Unlock of human potential that is in someone's control. Yeah, the single greatest unlock of human potential that we have the control over. I guess it's, I mean, what comes to me is like discipline, like self-discipline. You know, I think that if you, I think that we have it within us to be great. I don't think we all choose to be great. You know, I think there's like, and I think we're all aware of it, like how hard we decide to work, how much we decide to put into whatever it is we're working on, or if we like take like the easy way out a little bit, you know? So I feel like it's like discipline and self-mastery of like really committing yourself to something and like doing it even when it's hard and uncomfortable. Mm, Okay. I love that. And I definitely agree with that. Discipline is uh, definitely something I'm working on. By the way, that came from Matt Higgins, guest shark on Shark Tank as well. So yeah, he's, uh, he's awesome. But the next part of that is to ask you to ask a question to a future guest. God, you have asked questions that no one's ever asked me before. I'm glad. Um, That's a good thing. 
That is a good thing. When I ask somebody, I think it would be something around like, who are the people that you would choose to have around you if you had it to do all over again? Mm. You know, like, how do you, I think we sometimes end up in this place of like, you know, a lot of founders feel like they're very solopreneur, you know, it's like you're on your own and you don't have a lot of help. Like if you could go back and have help from somebody, who would it be? Who would your answer be? I mean, I can, I, I feel like I could take a good guess based off this conversation. I mean, you know, if it could be anybody, you know, it's like having like, you know, someone like Tony Robbins, mm. you know, okay. like if like Tony Robbins was on your fucking team and he was like, you were talking to Tony Robbins every day. Like, how cool would that be? Yeah. You know, I just read his book. Maybe that's why he's on my mind. Unleashing the giant within. And you just, you read that. I read it in like one day and you're like, yes, like everything <laughs> he's saying, you know, and you're so motivated. And so like to have that, to be able to have a person, and maybe that's more to my question is like to have the person who keeps you really honest and motivated. And again, I'm so into like the brain stuff right now, but like the power that we have over ourselves and our brain, and that comes down to the discipline and self mastery of like, we do control largely what happens to our lives and our brains, you know, which also goes back to the God question. You know, it's like, Dr. Amen was telling me, he's like, when you wake up every day, I want you to say today's going to be a good day, mm. which feels like fucking weird and hokey. But like I did that today. You know, I also saw something where like if you brush your teeth with your if you're writing and you brush your teeth with your left hand, it changes your brain chemistry. Or if you normally put your pants on right leg first, start doing it left leg first. Like all of these things like change your neuroplasticity. And, and that's all really fascinating to me. I mean, that's probably, you know, something I wish I, I mean, I'd not probably I wish I knew this stuff back then, you know, and that we actually have the power because you feel a little hopeless like this is just how I am you know how many times have we said that like this is who I am yeah. you know which is such bullshit you know so it's like to be able to have someone to have if, especially when I was like starting out like to understand that I actually had that power and control I'm also like a big fan of Joe Dispenza I don't know if you know who of he course, is but he's course. like another yeah it's like all that stuff is so fascinating to me and and to have imagine having those guys you know or Dr. Caroline Leaf who's another like I think she's a psychiatrist or psychologist and like a brain enthusiast too. Like having somebody around you or Oprah that is like <laughs> in, in your ear telling you, helping you navigate like a coach, that would have been. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to give you another one too. We had um, Mel Robbins on the show a while ago. She was promoting her book, which is all about the power of giving yourself a high five in the mirror and what that does for your brain. Because we're so, yeah, we're like accustomed to like when we give a high five to someone else, it's celebrating something, right? Like, you do it on the basketball court or the football field or whatever. So like we're already wired to believe that's celebratory. So when you do that to yourself, you're celebrating yourself. There was like so much science behind it, but it's it's cool stuff. So there's so much out there. Like, yeah, there's, there's a lot. And I think we're just like, it's becoming more mainstream, which is so awesome, you know, that this like whole, you know, like the manifestation stuff, which kind of felt woo woo and hokey, but like there's so much science behind it that you're just reprogramming your brain, you know, in a different way. And like, you know, one of the other things that Dr. Amen told me was like, and it's in one of his books, he's like, write down a hundred like dark thoughts. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And he's like, no, do it. And then do the turnaround, the Byron Katie turnaround on each of those thoughts. Like, is it true? Is it really true? Like how, you know, and, you know, and he's like, you know, it was interesting and how he's like, people who've done what I've told them to do change their lives, you know? And it's like, it's relatively that simple. If you have the discipline and you're doing, and you're actively practicing, like I do that, I said today, I'm going to have a good day. I also read somewhere that you should tell yourself that you love yourself in the mirror in the morning 25 times. I do that. 
that too. Like, I'm like, I'll fucking do anything to feel better. You know, it's like, so bring it on, you know? I love that. I only have you for a minute. So I'm going to ask you one last question. Uh, this is the last question that I always ask on the way out of every interview. I mean, you've given us a ton of advice. You showed up so vulnerable again. I'm going to thank you for that. I'm really grateful for it. You make it to whatever year you want to live to. Like you find yourself, you impact as many people, you do everything that you want to do, but you could only be remembered for one piece of advice. I'm not asking you how you want to be remembered, but if I think of Ali, this is the piece of advice that comes to mind. What's that advice? I mean, I, I think I would ultimately want to be remembered for being incredibly kind and generous. It's not advice, but I, you know, I think I, yeah, I ultimately, and I don't think I've always been kind enough. I really strive for that in this phase of my life. Like I want to be incredibly kind. And I, it's back to like what I was saying before I catch myself, like I can catch myself, like if I'm in a grocery store and the person I am behind is going so fucking slow and I get so annoyed and I'm like, you know, and then I'm like, Allie, why? Like, why do you have to be so annoyed? Like, it doesn't matter. It's no problem. You know, be like water. It's another thing I love. It's another great book is it's written by um, Bruce Lee's daughter. It's called Be Like Water. It's just a really fascinating the way he thought about water. It's like water just going. And if it, there's a rock, it goes around the rock, you know? And so I, I constantly am like reminding myself of all of these things, which is, again, is back to like what I'm telling you, like the things that I read, these are the things, you know, and these are the things that I think about and just being kinder and more patient and giving and generous and not making everything about me is really, I think the big thing that I would want to be remembered for is that, you know, she taught me to be more generous, you know, more kind and giving. And it's something I'm working on, you know, I'm, certainly not there. Yeah, I love it. Allie, thank you so much for this opportunity. Again, book, website, socials, all of that in the show notes. So thank you so much. Yeah, great. Awesome. I appreciate it. You have just completed a brand new episode of the Decoding Success podcast featuring our friend Allie Webb as we discuss reinvention, recalibration, coming home to oneself, embracing that beginner's mindset, no matter how much success that you achieve in life, making sure that you embrace that beginner's mindset. We also discussed something that's so important in regards to ensuring that we're not projecting our own conditioning, our own beliefs onto other people and just having a radical acceptance for who they are. It's not to say that we agree with everything, but to ensure that we expand our minds and our horizons by embracing other people and their way of living. There was so much in this episode, and I'm just so grateful to know that you have completed it, that you are still listening to my voice come through your headphones, your speakers, your car, your phone, however you're listening to this. Furthermore, if you want to connect with Ali, which I believe you really should at this point, you can check her out in the show notes of this episode where you're going to be able to find her socials, her website, her brand new book. Check her out in the show notes of this episode and make sure that you're connecting with her and letting her know that you heard her here on decoding success. And that brings me to this point. In the beginning of this episode, I shared the importance of knowing that you're here for a reason, whether it be because, you know, you needed to hear something that Ali gave you advice-wise. Maybe it's because you need to ask yourself a question that I had asked her. Or, hey, maybe it's because you need to share this with someone that's in your life. Knowing that this episode has the power to shift them positively, of course. And on that note, I'm going to remind you to share this, whether it be on social media, a quick little screenshot on your Instagram story or Twitter. Make sure, of course, that you tag Ali and myself so we can say thank you. Or maybe it's on a text message, wherever you choose. Ultimately, the bottom line is make sure that you're sharing this, doing your active service today by being of value to someone else. Each and every Wednesday, new episodes, guys. Join us. We would love to have you. Until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.